welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome to Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan and my co-host is Sandra Sims. Buddy, how are you today? Uh, it's pretty here in Birmingham today. And a lot of people, it's still a little cloudy, but gosh, it's still beautiful. Outside. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, good. We're a little humid down here in the bayou. Little, uh-huh. little humid. And I got to tell you, I had to call facility services today to get them to turn the air down in my office. I know Uh-oh. you're, not, you're nope. not surprised. I am not surprised at all. Nope. Nope. You know what I am excited and surprised about today? What? The fabulousness of our guest on the show today, buddy. I'm so pumped. It's going to be a great show, and we are so excited to have Darlene Kluka as our special guest today on Scaling the Summit Radio Gold. Darlene, welcome. How are you? Well, I want to first of all tell you I'm just fine, and second of all, I want to tell you how much I appreciate being able to be on with you. The title of this thing called Scaling the Summit, my gosh, what a great idea. Whose was that? You know, I don't even know, but I got to tell you, uh, I just want to set your expectations appropriately. <laughs> we are a little bit more like uh, radio sterling silver. So just, you know, the, the gold part, it sounds great. Uh, uh, but, but we've just, moved up. We've moved up from, some, from aluminum. We we've did. Moved, yeah. We moved from oh, aluminum. Well. Right, right, right. We, we actually started at plastic. And then, so we are, we are maybe making a little bit of progress, but Darlene, it is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for your time. Oh, this is a real honor and pleasure. I, I'm, I'm very excited about this. And the idea of this is absolutely superb. And I suspect that by the time you do your last one, whenever that is in the uh, long time future, uh, you'll be better than perfect. <laughs> well, maybe we'll be gold by then, buddy. I don't know. Maybe I, so. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Well, let me tell you, buddy, you know, this is the point at which in the show, you always just sit back, take a break, you know, pour yourself some water, some spark, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and I introduced the speaker and I got to tell you, buddy, it's going to be a long break today because this introduction is uh, unlike maybe any other that we've had. So, so everybody can know Darlene as well as we do, or at least a little bit better. Uh, Darlene received her Bachelor of Arts at Illinois State University in Health and Physical Education. She had a minor in German, which, uh, buddy, usually people <laughs> people pick the easy minor, but uh, that is crazy. German, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have Mandarin available. That's the only one I could think that might be harder. You, you uh, know the real truth on that. What's uh, the that? The real truth on that German is that uh, when I was growing up in elementary school, I always loved to watch World War II movies where at that time they had the Germans speaking only German. Ah. And I was determined to find out what those people were saying in those <laughs> movies. And I said, well, then I need to take German. Well, hey, that's a great reason. That is an absolutely great reason. Uh, and when she was not watching television with the war movies, uh, Darlene went on to get a Master of Arts uh, in Physical Education at Athletic Administration uh, at Illinois State, and then her PhD at the Texas Woman's University. Buddy, we've had uh, quite a, a parade of TWU alums, and they are all very, very impressive. Uh, and her uh, focus area was physical education, motor learning with a minor in biomechanics. Then 
she went back and got an, a doctor of philosophy at the University of Pretoria in South Africa in human movement sciences, sport management. And she also has a global sport management certificate from NYU, New York University. Currently, uh, Darlene is retired. We'll talk about that in just a second, but she's consulting on sport management programs and buddy, shameless plug. Uh, Darlene will be faculty in residence this fall at Southeastern Louisiana, and we are super excited to have her uh, here in this role. Wow. Carter, yeah, buddy. I Me know, too. Maybe, hey, maybe you can get her next year. I don't know. Just rotating. But we got her first. So. <laughs> okay. Prior to Darlene's retirement, she was Dean of the School of Human Performance and Leisure Sciences at Barry University in the beautiful Miami, Florida. Prior to serving as Dean, Darlene taught at the University of Pretoria in South Africa. She taught at Kennesaw State, Grambling, University of Central Oklahoma, and was an adjunct faculty member at several other institutions. She also has K-12 experience that included teaching and coaching for nine years at three different high schools. She coached volleyball, field hockey, boys and girls gymnastics, and softball. Darlene has served in so many different capacities, uh, literally across the entire globe, uh, as president of the International Association of Physical Education and Sport for Girls and Women, and president of our uh, beloved buddy, uh, National Association for Girls and Women in Sport, NAGWS. Yep. That is just a, a smattering, a little tiny handful of her leadership uh, that she's done over her career. Darlene was also the deputy delegate for AFERD to the United States Olympic Committee and served as a member of the Women's Sports Foundation. In 2001, the Women's Sports Foundation established the Darlene A. Kluka Women's Sports and Physical Activity Research Award as the foundation's way of respecting her leadership, vision, and desire to create a legacy that acknowledges the outstanding performance of researchers. Buddy, I need a break at this okay. point, so you take over. <laughs> well, I need you to know, listen, I was exhausted just hearing what you just said, but I also read her book of a CV and it is amazing, all the different things. So an incredible career um, that she has left an amazing legacy of her own. And she's had leadership opportunities at the state district and uh, national and international level. So uh, we are very, just very proud to have you here today. And I think the biggest thing is you've also won a lot of awards. I, I mean, I think, <laughs> you know, we don't always do a good job sometimes giving everybody pat on the back and add a girls, but I am going to be honest with you. Your list of honors was incredible. And I'm only going to touch on a few just to add to, to give uh, charity a little bit of a breather. Cause she, you know, she couldn't add this on her list, but the biggest thing is you've had NAGWS honor award, the women's sports foundation's presence award. You've been the uh, international scholar uh, of, in sport in, and the Olympic movement NAG, NAGWS international pathfinder award. I don't know there's, I mean, there's award after award. I need to know, I, it's hard for you to say, hey, which one's more important, but what are the <laughs> things that stick out? This You've had an enormous list read. They've had amazing highlights of awards that were given to you. Do you have anything that you want to kind of, I don't know, reflect back on at this point uh, of any personal things that, that have really meant the most to you in this wonderful career that you've had? Well, to be uh, totally um, honest, or as totally honest as I know about myself, uh, because there are 
things like in the Johari window, you know, that there are things that you don't know that you don't know. So, uh, but I, I really do believe that uh, each honor uh, that was presented um, was uh, something that other people felt was meaningful uh, for them to provide for me. And I will be forever grateful to all those people who nominated me, who voted for me, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. But uh, when I graduated undergraduate in uh, 1972, um, I, uh, uh, I never expected to uh, get honors. Uh, when I graduated undergraduate, there was a woman by the name of Dr. Karen Johnson, and my passion has been volleyball. Uh, Sandra, I know yours is as well. Yes. And so uh, after you play and after you officiate and after you coach, you ask yourself, what else can I do to contribute to the sport that I dearly love? So uh, Karen Johnson was a parliamentarian for years and years and years for what used to be known as US, uh, US VBA, which was US Volleyball Association, changed several years ago to USA Volleyball. And uh, she, I saw her every place I went for volleyball, I saw her name or else herself up on a stage in a panel doing something. And I thought, you know, I wonder if I could kind of like be like Karen Johnson, not that Karen Johnson and I have exactly the same personality, but uh, just, uh, you know, to be able to contribute that much to uh, the leadership in an organization. At any rate, uh, she was probably the first person that um, set me on a path for looking to see that there was more than just, uh, how should I say, teaching and coaching there was a thing called service and contributing to your field, uh, looking larger than what you have in front of you every day, which are marvelous children or young adults, but uh, that wasn't quite um, uh, uh, my route to do only that. Um, I also learned that uh, my, my dad was really quite influ influential in my uh, upbringing. And uh, he always told me that, uh, you know, the old uh, blue collar statement of you keep your nose clean and you work hard, uh, you're going to do well. And so I don't know if I kept my nose clean, but at least I did work hard and I tried to be as professional as I could about it. And uh, it was fun to be for me to be able to see that those combinations would uh, pay off. Uh, in the sense of being able to uh, provide service to the field and especially when uh, people thought that this was something important enough to uh, bestow honors upon. You know, we're a strange uh, community over here in the, in the U.S. Uh, we love to give awards. And uh, as I've traveled around the world and paid attention to things around the world, not too many other nations give tremendous amounts of awards like we do. Uh, I'm not really quite sure of that, other than I know we have tremendous opportunities for genuine service, not paid service, but genuine service. And uh, other uh, places in the world may not have, but, um, but it's, it's been fun to also be able to see that 
through hard work and some professionalism, you can also uh, make a little bit of a contribution internationally. And um, that's, uh, for me, that's just a great, great honor and uh, something that I've uh, looked forward to every day when I get up. Well, I think the biggest thing is, it's just an amazing, and I don't think anybody, you know, it's like you said, you don't, you don't go in in 1972, you don't say, this is what I know I'm going to be able to do. But to be able to look back, <laughs> And just be able to say, you, know, you you gotta be able to breathe easy because honestly, you've done something really, uh, you couldn't breathe during all this time. And I, I know that you've worked and uh, with the, the plethora of, of, of work and documents and all the things that you've done. Uh, so I just wanna say well done. And, and service is something I know that we, we talk about a lot and, and particularly for people that are working with undergraduates and trying to really get them to have a servant heart. You know, it's, those are hard things sometimes. And I think somehow um, where, and I don't want this next generation to lose this, is that I want them to understand that service is something that's embedded and we don't have to have credit for, you don't have yeah. to get awards for. And it's something that I just, that's to me what's important about us talking to people who lived a great life of service is that it's oftentimes not, it's just a, it's nice to get the awards, but that was never your intent. So uh, again, well done, amazing career. We get to dig into a lot more things and I'm excited about some other questions that we're gonna hit up in, the, in just a minute. But I just wanted you to know, I appreciate your service and I don't think that any of us are awarded enough, but I just wanna say thank you for everything you've done for the career and the things that you've left big, big shoes to fill for many people. Well, it's, uh, it's been a truly, uh, really uh, a labor of love. You know, the old saying, and it's an old saying, if you, uh, if you, if you uh, enjoy or love what you do, you never work. Yeah. And uh, there were only a few periods of time in my entire 40 plus year career that uh, I worked, you know, and um, uh, when you can walk away from something or step back from something uh, after that time and say, you know, I really didn't work. I mean, I might have done what I did very, very hard and very, very uh, diligently, but, uh, but I never really worked hard. You know, it's like meeting people like you all, having you as professional colleagues first and then as friends. Um, it, uh, and you never know, you know, when our paths would cross again. I mean, this was just uh, sheer um, me asking a question uh, to Charity and all of a sudden, my goodness, she says, well, yeah, let's see if we can do something. And here we are, you know? So uh, that's, uh, that's the exciting part because just because somebody is retired does not mean that they're dead, all right? And um, I still believe that there are a lot of people who maybe are within even five years of having um, stepped back, uh, but they have so much to offer, especially in the area of mentoring and um, being enthusiastic to get the uh, younger ones, either and especially, I think, undergrads and masters. Uh, doctorates, uh, they're pretty well set, but uh, a lot of people uh, appreciate that. Uh, you know, so uh, I wish that universities would find a way to 
have people who are recently retired uh, to be able to come and just do the, I call it the cheerleading, you know, mm. uh, where you get behind uh, the students and uh, when they have an interest, uh, the students have a bigger interest. You know, it's, uh, it's wonderful. And I, that's why I love both of you so much. Both of you are, are tremendously enthusiastic people who uh, really do provide um, positive learning environment for all of your students. And uh, that's obvious. Uh, I have to tell a little one on charity because oh, no. um, oh, buddy. recently. Oh, yes, oh, please. This is gonna be you, good. No, no, you, this is this is definitely going to air. Go ahead, please. Oh, boy. Yeah, that, <laughs> um, this uh, I wound up breaking and, and you'll see that this puppy still doesn't look very good and he's never going to be any better. So I can do do uh, this. You'll have to take out because they can't see. But well, I was but, just going to um, say for our listeners, Dar Darlene is pointing to her <laughs> pinky finger. Yeah, which looks a little bit like it got jammed up. I, I'd call that a softball injury, but I know that's not what happened, Darlene. But yeah, your pinky no. finger is pretty jammed yeah. up looking. Yeah, so the uh, that's as good as it's going to get. But I am perfect. If I ever have tea with the queen, <laughs> I know exactly how to put my little finger. You know, that's that's what it looks like. Have tea with the queen. But um, uh, and then, uh, stupid, I fell and uh, really messed up this one. So um, the other, the other hand. So uh, nonetheless, I'm I'm healthy and well back at it now. Uh, but uh, charity. Um, now I forgot what I was going to tell you. Oh, uh, it was Moses. it was something great about, something about how I something, did something great. No, it wasn't about oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It was a yeah, story. it was great. Got it. I told oh, you, buddy. It was great. It was. It was great. Yeah. So I go for rehab. All right, I go. For rehab uh, to um, one of the clinics where uh, Southeastern has a number of their students in uh, kinesiology and health studies. Okay, well, it didn't take long for me to figure out who was who and so on and so forth. Well, uh, as it came to be, I think there were a total, because I was there for so long, of five different students. But I have to tell you, those young people were enthusiastic they knew their stuff when they didn't if they didn't know their stuff they would immediately ask their boss what was going on etc and they had nothing but good to say about southeastern and specifically about charity without me saying anything you know oh, and, we're gonna have uh, to cut this this is definitely gonna have to be cut <laughs> So I, apparently uh, my hundred dollars arrived in the mail to Darlene <laughs> prior, prior to the show today. <laughs> Got it. But it, you know, but it was wonderful. And we had wonderful conversations. There was a young man who, who loves volleyball. All right. So he played at Southeastern. Now he's coaching a little juniors team. And uh, so I wound up giving him because, you know, as you age, you don't need all of the paraphernalia that you had before. So I have a lot of volleyball stuff that I'm trying to find good homes for. And so I wound up giving him several different things because he's got a whole room, he said, of sport memorabilia. And so I said, well, this young man is going to be a perfect fit for this. So, uh, so I was really, really pleased. And, uh, you know, that's your best uh, bestseller right there. When the, the students can go out and uh, speak positively of the university that they went to and of the coursework, because you know me, I'm going to ask them questions about coursework and uh, they, uh, they could answer it. And they say, you know, I had that in such and such a class, 
or, you know, I really didn't have that, but now let me think. And the next time I'd come in, they'd say, you know, I did have that enough. <laughs> so, uh, so it was a real uh, treat for me to, I, <laughs> this is crazy. I, I actually looked forward to going to PT. <laughs> <laughs> well, Darlene, I am I'm ecstatic to hear that, and we certainly appreciate the uh, the plug for Southeastern. I, I think our faculty do a great job. We have an amazing team here and great support. So, I'm glad that's uh, making its way out into the world with our soon to be graduates. Hey, I want to ask you about your um, your international connections. You know, you have you've made such a significant and meaningful impact on our profession uh, literally all over the place at the state level, the national level district um, and internationally. And, you know, we don't always have a lot of folks in our field, uh, you know, that, that really get that international bug. So I'm curious about, you know, was it the, was it the world war II movies in German that really sparked your interest for, things that were happening uh, beyond our own uh, country? Or how did you, how did you kind of come to love this international approach? And, you know, what would you say is the value of being involved at that level? Yeah. Well, my, uh, my mom and dad were uh, born uh, in, uh, one was born in what is now the Czech Republic, and the other one was born as, in what is now as Slovakia. Mm -hmm. So um, this didn't, that piece didn't happen until, uh, I'd say, in the last 15 years or so. But uh, so my dad uh, would always say that kluka ale mame holku, which means boy, but we have a girl. Uh, in, in Czech. And um, so I can't say exactly when I started speaking Czech, because that's going to be one of my true or false answers. Oh, there but, you go. Or my lie or my, mm -hmm. my truth. And, uh, but in, uh, just in general, um, they were here after they were only six months old. So uh, obviously there was Czech and Slovak spoken in both of the households. And ironically, or interestingly, uh, my grandfather came in uh, on my mother's side, came in the late 1800s, and he was in the Cherokee Strip Run. Now, you can imagine that he did not get the uh, prime acre or acreage. Uh, he got the stuff where when you put the fence up, on this side was the oil, and he owned this side, you know, the other side of it. So he did not... Uh, uh, we did not get lucky and get rich by uh, having the uh, posts put in the right spot. Um, and so my uh, mom grew up uh, in the, and her family grew up in the Oklahoma area. And I was very blessed to be for a while with Karen Dowd at uh, UCO. And um, what, what a pleasure that was for me to identify with that side of my family. I was very grateful for that piece. And uh, then uh, my dad's side, uh, they came through Ellis Island and went up through um, um, Cleveland. There was another, uh, it was primarily Slovak in that area, but also Hungarian. So they posted in the papers in the late 1800s that there was free land in Louisiana. So here they come. And so my uh, grandfather had a, a farm not quite sure how big it was, but uh, 
he was a strawberry farmer in uh, something that's no longer there, but it's a, the, the city or the town was around Albany, uh, Ponchatoula in that mm -hmm. area. All right, so that's how uh, my dad got to South Louisiana. <laughs> and um, uh, at any rate, uh, when things got tough on the farm for my mom and when uh, my uh, mother, uh, my father's mother, died in of heat stroke in the strawberry fields and then my my grandfather uh he had five boys and he couldn't i guess he couldn't deal with it so he uh, shot himself so uh they came uh two uh, three of the boys came up to the chicago area all right because that's where one of the other brothers was so uh and mother came to the chicago area with sisters because there was jobs and uh, so that's where they met. And there was a huge Czech population at the time and a huge Slovak population. So uh, as daddy would say uh, that I am a, a prava Czechoslovenska, which means a, a true Czechoslovakian you know, <laughs> with both of them coming together. All that said, uh, with, because all that time for my direct family, um, in Chicago, when I was born, I was born very late. Mother was 43 and daddy was 45 when they had me and I'm the only thing uh, that they had to show for it. So I, clearly they were going for quality, you know, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, uh, the piece that uh, I think is important with this is every, every, uh, they had a thing in, uh, we lived in Berwyn, which is a suburb of Chicago. Uh, they had a Czech school that uh, was on Saturday mornings from 9 to 11, all right? And, and it went religiously. This woman that taught it, I tell you, she was one of my, one of my heroes from the beginning. Um, she helped me to understand what it was like to be a teacher, and I, boy, I've wanted to be that since I was six. So, uh, but at eight years old, I, um, I started to go to Czech school. And uh, so we would go down to the um, uh, Science and Industry Museum in Chicago and around Christmas time, they would have all these fabulous, you know, a taste of Mexico, a taste of Czech, a taste of um, Norway, a taste of whatever it was. And so groups would come in and share their Christmas time experiences in their native costumes, etc. So we went and did that. And so uh, that um, culture was uh, built into me as I was growing up. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And so as a result of all that upbringing in just those specific areas, then it was really cool to go find out what was going on with other uh, people in other parts of the world. And so uh, learning German was a, was a good uh, uh, a good experience. Um, I've uh, also, I can speak about this much Afrikaans enough to get me in jail, I think. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so, and I've, and I have a affinity, my, my grandmother on my dad's side, she could speak seven languages, read and write those languages as well. So I, and never having known my grandparents, uh, I uh, would assume that I kind of may have inherited a little piece of that. And my dad was really, really quite good at, uh, at doing those things. So 
uh, and he loved to travel. So he told me a long time ago that the only two things that were important in life was education, formal education, and travel. My uh, mom had a, uh, an eighth grade education. My dad had a sixth grade education uh, because of what happened to him uh, in, in the family. At any rate, and uh, so uh, they encouraged me uh, like mad to go and get as much as I could. And uh, so I did. And uh, was, uh, the whole trip was great fun. And so that's how I first got exposed to that international mm -hmm. piece. And uh, one of the other things that we did and that I still dearly love to do, although I'm not very fleet-footed anymore, um, are do Czech and uh, do folk dance. Mm. Folk dance is fabulous. Mm. And uh, between that and learning to sing songs in a different language, uh, those are two things that people can easily relate to. I mean, uh, when, uh, when uh, we went to the Philippines, uh, we got to do tinickling with the true Filipinos. What an exciting wow. opportunity that was, you know, or to go to Germany and be able to do their uh, local folk dances. Uh, so knowing some of that stuff and, you know, you taught it in physical education. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the folk dance unit was one of my favorites because uh, uh, I truly enjoyed that. But it also sort of rubbed off on the on the students as well, I think, you know, and if you go into something going, oh, man, we have to do this today. Uh, they're probably going to go, oh, man, yes, we do. Or no, we don't really want to. But I think that that's what's amazing about the passion of the international is that your upbringing and where. You know, at, when I when I was teaching international games and, and um, dance, and yes, buddy, I did do some dance when I was teaching. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Was it a whole three-week unit yeah, on the Hokey, on hokey pokey? pokey? That's exactly okay. right. Okay, all right. Close. But I did, I, I think that that's what's, um, oft, oftentimes we tend to miss the international piece for a lot of us who don't have the upbringing that you did and the passion that was actually just, I don't know, it put in your veins about the international flair, but I think that that almost goes hand in hand with, with the different things with the Olympics that you like to be involved with. So in other words, this whole piece that how, how international has made a huge impact uh, on your life and how it continued through your career. I, I buddy, I, I, I don't I, mean to jump I, in. I, no, no, I, buddy, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, I don't know if Darlene knows this, but the two of us are outstanding folk dancers. Yes, we uh, are. Really. We, we're, we're, we are, we, we could be, we could be, mm. uh, no, no, I'm just, no, we're, we're She's actually telling kidding. Uh, but buddy, <laughs> buddy, one thing I'm not kidding about is, uh, you and I can definitely get behind any event that starts with a taste of taste of so we you and know then a little bit of sing along yeah 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 and we can maybe and maybe we can sing you know if we, and if we have some bread pudding we might oh, we might be able to dance over. but uh yeah so darlene that's i you know yeah. it's it's just fascinating how those early experiences really kind of form who we are and and you know where we head with our lives so thank you for that but i, I think sure. what i'd love i'd love to go forward with this and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of combine a couple of thoughts that I had on our future questions, but um, looking at just your passion for volleyball, I know you know that that's my passion because that's what I played in college, and I love yep. love love the sport. But I, I wanted to, I also want to kind of touch on an area that you that you did, and it impacted my kids, my my athletes. Your sport vision has been a mm. part of, and your eye training 
um, that you've done over the years that we didn't talk about in the lead up. But I'm going to be honest with you, that had a huge impact on my volleyball team, but I also did it with my tennis team. So your eye training and you gave me, but just like you said, you gave things, you, you're such a giver and you, you gave me something that actually impacted my athletes in my high school. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people may know a whole lot about the eye training that you've done in the past um, that are listening to the podcast. So I would love, I'm, I'm going to attach the, the passion for volleyball because that's where I used it a lot. But I'd also like for you to kind of let everybody know a little bit about how you started the eye training sport vision mm -hmm. vision yeah. piece and how that actually impacted and connected to your volleyball upbringing. Uh, well, uh, thanks for uh, thinking about that. And um, I, I, I do have to say that uh, my uh, that uh, I and several of my colleagues might have been just a little bit ahead of the time. I think you probably were. Because uh, now uh, it's it's uh, rampant, you know, but uh, nonetheless, uh, somebody's got to kind of open the door and kind of push their way through. So um, one of the questions that I had when I was still at New Trier at the high school level is uh, I coached uh, softball, uh, among other things, because you always, <laughs> at the high school level, you usually did at that time more than one sport. So um, but I had a young lady that uh, was uh, left-handed, and uh, she would uh, come up to the uh, plate, and um, she would assume her stance, and this poor baby had all the right kind of technique, etc., but she kept topping the ball or bottoming the ball or something, and her uh, hitting ability was minimal. So, you know, then you start to look, okay, what is the story? So uh, at some point or another, there was uh, an optometrist, uh, not that he was in sports vision at the time, but they have uh, developmental optometry. And so I read a bunch of his uh, books and uh, articles and it said, well, uh, check the eye dominance, the distance eye dominance on, a, on uh, the player. So I did, and uh, because she was left-handed, uh, she happened to be left eye dominant, which means that the left eye sees things a little bit uh, better or quicker, quicker than uh, milliseconds, but sometimes that's all it takes is milliseconds to, to hold on it. So, um, so what I wound up doing was I wound up turning her head so that both eyes had a chance to see the ball uh, properly. I am telling you, I've never seen anything like it to have such immediate success. And the, 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 the baby went from not being able to get a solid hit to, oh my gosh, she's ripping people's heads off, you know, with the, with the ball. So uh, that was a, a, a real excitement for me to see that maybe the visual system has something to do with novice, medium and elite performances. So uh, by uh, the time 19, let's see, 1982 rolled around, previous century, um, I, uh, I said, well, I need to go and get a doctorate because clearly I'm not going to be successful uh, being a professor without it. So um, here I go. So uh, I go to TWU and they have uh, um, 
a very interesting program where you could at that time get your degree in that area, but take other courses that would then supplement it. So I took a lot of courses in psychology and physiology and all these things looking at um, the, the visual system, because that's where I really thought this would make a difference and the coincidence anticipation time and so forth. So uh, what I did for that dissertation was to um, devise, along with the help from one of the guys in the computer uh, technology area, uh, a, a microcomputer program for an Apple II. You know, whoa, oh, this is a long time I ago. I had that. Uh, yeah, yes. to, uh, uh, to assess coincidence anticipation time. And I looked at it from um, eye, uh, relative to eye color and relative to um, skin color and uh, because that's all melanin. And uh, so uh, then we you know, did our little uh, quasi experimentals to see what the story was. Um, and uh, what, what I found was that uh, uh, people who were lighter eyed had um, a, a lower threshold of connectivity than the uh, dark-eyed people had, regardless of skin color. But you know, usually if your skin color is darker, you're going to probably have brown to black eyes. And, uh, and that has a lower threshold, which means that they're better in reception kinds of things uh, rather than in, in something that is pro-action you know, or, or you're going to initiate it some, some way. And uh, at any rate, so, uh, that really got me interested in now, what am I going to, uh, how am I going to use this? So then I go to UAB and uh, I was, yeah, woo -woo. <laughs> and uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get uh, Peggy Harrison and uh, the Dean, although I don't think Clint really had uh, much interest in it, but he didn't say no. So it's fine. And so I got, I had a, um, a lab. All right. And so in there we had some, uh, an area for quote unquote sports vision. So we did a number of things. And fortunately at UAB, they have a marvelous program in optometry. Mm -hmm. So uh, we partnered over there with the School of Optometry and uh, we did a, a several good studies with them. And uh, of course, they were not interested initially, but I did find a guy over there who uh, was more than happy to uh, come, uh, come in that direction. So uh, we, we built some a fairly a good basis, let's say that, in a four-year period of time uh, before, uh, before I moved on. So um, that piece was very, very interesting. And um, then uh, one of my former high school players who then went to play uh, in the Olympic Games and professionally, uh, Lauren Goebel, she uh, helped uh, with the together we put together those uh, those uh, vision training cards etc yes. for volleyball etc they're sitting they're sitting in yeah. my office somewhere <laughs> I, I'm just that's what I'm saying that's what I used and yeah my kids it it made huge difference I mean my students honestly just the training piece their eyes got so tired because it, you know how many times did I say keep your eye on the ball watch the ball see the ball but I never trained it and yeah. it really woke me up as just a high school uh, coach yeah. sitting there going, wow, this was amazing. So I do, I want you to know that, you know, my kids didn't become Olympians, but they became much stronger. They could see the ball. And I, 
I go back to that little video that we see sometimes where somebody, this little dad saying, put your, keep your eye on the ball. And the little kid put his, his yeah, eye, right. on, <laughs> the eye on the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he lays it down. And clearly every coach in America, well, internet, everybody has said, see the ball, see the ball. But you did something that helped little, my little world in Jemison, Alabama, where my athletes then began to train using your flip cards, honestly, and, and those activities and, and exercises made and I know that it made much bigger things, but I do, I do want to know just in the, the process, those are the little stories that I don't know that people always hear. Um, oh, for sure. And just, yeah, just and want you to you know, and, I, and I, I lo- absolutely love uh, how, how it impacted my athletes. Hey, buddy, I always love it when, you know, we, because we're in the university setting, we, we have to do research, right? Like that's part of our job yeah, description. But it is. But boy, do I love it when we hear about research that actually makes it into the hands of a practitioner and it makes a difference. Yes. So that is, uh, uh, sometimes I feel like that's a purple unicorn, right? It's uh, sometimes hard to track that down, but Darlene, that's an incredible contribution. And I know you have that love for volleyball and, and really, I think probably for all sports, but your yep. passion <laughs> for women's sports has always included uh, not not just your passion, but your leadership and your service to those organizations that support women in uh, sports and athletics, including our beloved uh, NAGWS. Sandra and I both had the honor and privilege of serving on the GWS board um, in those last few years when it was still a, a standalone association. Would you just share with us some of your, first of all, I'd love to know how you kind of made your way to GWS, but also mm. a fond memory or two that you have from that beloved and fabulous organization. Yeah, you know, I, I finished uh, the uh, first doctorate, I finished in 1985. So uh, I thought, well, you know, I, I think it's time for me to try to find some uh, uh, you know, something in NAGWS at the national level so that, you know, you can use your uh, whatever your doctorate and so on and so forth. So um, there happened to be a thing called the Affiliated National Coaches Council uh, that was uh, uh, started up and uh, its first chair uh, was uh, Dr. Susan Schaefer. Susan is still living in uh, Colorado, and uh, since the time that she was chair, she's actually was uh, either, um, I can't remember if she was in the House or the Senate, uh, in the state legislature of, uh, of uh, Colorado. So uh, she definitely uh, ran the Department of Education out there, but that's, that's kind of her background. So I thought, well, I don't know her. I don't know anybody on there, but I put myself forward, and I nominated myself and put myself forward, and hot dog, if I didn't get him selected, you know, so I, I will forever be grateful to Susan Schaefer for taking a chance on me, because she did not know me from a hole in the wall, you know, and uh, so there's a lot of value, I think, in giving people chances 
without knowing them directly. Uh, I'm, you know, she probably checked around, but nonetheless, uh, she took that chance on me and uh, we were in Botswana not too long ago and uh, she came. And uh, so we had a big reunion, you know, because I hadn't seen her for, uh, for many, uh, many years, but we've kept in touch, you know, as the years have gone on. Um, that said, um, you know, one thing led to the next. And, and so uh, I dearly, uh, from the tips of my toes to the top of my head, uh, live and breathe um, opportunities for uh, girls and women, uh, specifically in sport or through sport. And uh, any time that I can advocate for uh, that issue, uh, I try to do my best considering what positions I formally hold. Um, one time when we were uh, at TWU, um, uh, Sue Mottinger, who used to be one of the executive directors for NAGWS, this was before she was that, uh, she was a faculty member at TWU, and uh, this was 1984 when Jerry Ferraro ran as vice president uh, for the Democrats, first, uh, first woman to be in a major uh, uh, effort with the, the Democratic or Republican parties. So... Uh, uh, Sue says one time, well, all right, girls, get it together. We're going to go march. All right. And so we've, uh, in Time magazine, they've got Mottinger. And then I think I was still, we were in that front line holding the banner. But honest to goodness, the, the, uh, the uh, sun was so bad in the eyes that my face looked totally distorted, for which I was glad because some of those people had the FBI coming to their houses oh my after gosh. that march. Yeah, uh, so those are the days, you know, yeah. but um, uh, at any rate, um, so it's been, it's been a, an interesting trajectory. Uh, I also, the reason, part of the reason I went to TWU for that doctorate was, first of all, they had an excellent program, but also uh, they had uh, true leaders in our field at that institution, and so uh, never having had an experience where the majority was single sex at an institution, I thought this would be a really good one uh, for me to go through. And uh, I'll never regret it. Uh, there were lots of great times, but there were some other valleys as well, as you might expect in earning a doctorate. But um, uh, so uh, I've continued on that path. And when I looked then at NAGWS, I tried to imagine if I started as uh, just a member of the Affiliated National Coaches Council, what would be a path to eventually become president of that organization? Fortunately, NAGWS at that time did have what I would call a, a path of opportunity for people who were interested in that. I've served on other boards and other or in other organizations where you can't figure it out. You absolutely cannot figure it out. Uh, frankly, USA Volleyball used to be that way when it came to putting athletes on Olympic teams. 
since that time, thanks to Bob Gambardella, uh, they now have a real nice pipeline that goes through. And it makes sense if somebody wants to become an Olympian, what are the steps that need to be taken? It doesn't guarantee that, you know, you'll make it to the presidency or you'll make it to the, uh, to the Olympic team, but it does at least provide some guidance and uh, frankly, some, uh, some roads to be able to travel on. Well, and I think this has been interesting, this whole, and I probably could listen to you for hours to be truthful. Mm -hmm. I just need to know, Darlene, this is, you have a wealth of knowledge. We probably could take two or three podcasts, uh, but I, I just, I love to hear the history of things. You know, it's funny because I didn't really used to like history when I was younger, but now that I'm standing up in front of my students and they don't understand history and I actually have lived the history, yeah. And it's made my it's made my perspective change in a lot of ways, but I, I you have done throughout this this podcast you've you've done a lot of name dropping you've named people that have been very important in your career, and this kind of comes to a question that I get a I get the pleasure to ask all the podcasts, and it truly is to say you know there are people that impacted you and you from the get go from the very first question you named someone, and you've been naming names throughout this thing which is to me. I love, I love that I think that we, again, going back to that, thanking people. So really I want to come back to this question. There have been people that have influenced lots of different, because you've had made a lot of different moves to move towards where you are now. Are there other names or you want to repeat a name to say thank you to the people that have actually helped push you and actually- I got a whole laundry you list here. Uh, okay. Well, I, this is, this is your time to give your shout out. So why don't, let us let us know. We'd uh, love well, to these hear. Are, these are going to be uh, uh, women, since we're talking about women and sport. Uh, there have been men as well, but um, uh, I'm going to restrict this to to women uh, all over the globe. Uh, the the first two, I, I think that I would like to say a thank you to. One of them is gone, and the other one is um, in an assisted living. Is uh, Dr. Phoebe Scott and uh, Dr. Virginia Crafts, and both of them were at Illinois State and uh, served as my professors, but uh, also um, I think Dr. Scott uh, was maybe the first or second president of AIAW, oh, somewhere in there. Sweet. And uh, so AIAW ran uh, within Illinois State University's veins like you would not believe. Uh, Lori Mabry was also there, um, although I didn't have as much to do with her. But that whole notion of uh, going to an institution where there is some uh, great interest mm -hmm. in some area is a real plus. And ironically, I did not know that. <laughs> Um, my dad, because we were poor, my dad said, okay, you can go to uh, either Illinois State or Northern Illinois. So I went up to Northern Illinois and it was a lovely place. Uh, you know, I just didn't feel like uh, comfort. I went to Illinois State. As soon as I stepped out of the car, I knew I was home. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, sometimes you get lucky like that. Uh, but um, just a, a phenomenal uh, support by, and those was when we had segregated women and men's programs. Uh, so uh, uh, I only had women instructors and uh, they were all really superb. Um, at any rate, 
Uh, so in no particular order, I think I may have these folks in order of, um, of uh, alphabetical order, uh, but I, I just want to give shout outs to them and I won't give you too much information because we'll be here all day. Uh, Dr. Vivian Acosta, she was a president of NAGWS from the United States. Dr. Tanzan Ben, uh, a president of Episcopal uh, from the UK. Uh, Celia Breckenridge uh, from the UK, and unfortunately, Celia passed away a little early, uh, and I miss her terribly. Uh, Dr. Linda Carpenter, um, mm. again, with of Acosta and Carpenter. Mm. Uh, Dr. Doris Corbett mm. from the USA. Janice Crosswhite from Australia. Uh, Rosa D'Amico Lopez from Venezuela, and Rosa is presently the president of Episcopal and is doing a marvelous job, the first one that is not uh, from either Europe or the United States. Uh, Gudrun Dahl-Tepper from Germany, um, she is probably one of the finest um, leaders I have ever witnessed and had the opportunity to work with. Uh, Mahad Abid from Egypt. Uh, Dr. Kari Fasting, and if you uh, know any of the women in sport literature, uh, she is just a, uh, an international plethora of doing things on gender equity. Uh, Dr. Annalisa Goslin from South Africa, and if you look at my CV, we've done a number of things together, including we're working on a new book now, so hopefully that'll be out within six months, I hope. Um, Dr. Aline Lockhart. Dr. Lockhart uh, was um, an individual that mentored me tremendously during my first, um, uh, my first doctorate, and uh, I will be forever grateful to her. She is the one who asked me if I could write a volleyball book, all right, and that was with William C. Brown. And uh, I said, yeah, I think so. I took her to lunch and uh, she told me all about it. And she says, well, I think you can do this. And so we went into four or five um, uh, editions of it. And at that time, they've quit the series. But at that time, that was the best-selling uh, series book that they had. So I was, oh, I, I really appreciate uh, what she did for me in many ways. Uh, Dr. Donna Lopiano from the U.S., Dr. Phyllis Love from the U.S., uh, Nancy Melanchuk from Canada, uh, Dr. Mott, Jane Mott from U.S., also at, um, at uh, uh, Texas Women's University, Dr. Mimi Murray, and uh, by the way, Mimi's doing fine. Um, she uh, has retired from Springfield College. Uh, we all get a little older. Uh, I hope a little wiser, but maybe not. Uh, but they gave her a great, uh, great send off. Um, Dr. Carol Oglesby, uh, she's uh, also retired, but she is uh, really going after it in this international women in sport uh, business. Uh, Dr. Gutter Gertrude Pfister, uh, originally from Germany, but now in Denmark. Uh, and she actually is now, uh, she got married and she's living in the United States. Uh, Christine Shelton uh, is uh, now retired, but, uh, but in the US. Doreen Solomons from South Africa. Uh, Anita White from the UK and uh, my dear friend, um, Dr. Margaret Talbot uh, from the UK, who unfortunately a couple of years ago died, of, uh, died from breast cancer. And, and uh, that is for me a huge loss. But there's also been other people. Um, when Doris Corbett was um, um, president of uh, Itchber SD, 
she said to me, Darlene, I want to start a Girls and Women in Sport Commission. I said, oh, okay, uh, what do you, you know, what do you sort of want it to look like, etc." She says, well, you figure it out and then let me know. <clears throat> all right. So I, uh, I will be always uh, grateful to Doris, but I did, uh, I was helpful to her in a sense to get to South Africa because when I got my second degree, they needed an external evaluator that they would fly in on a round trip ticket to South Africa. So she got to go there. Uh, so uh, that was great fun for all of us. And uh, she was not too hard on me, but hard enough. And um, uh, 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 one of my dear friends in uh, Hong Kong that uh, I'm now uh, concerned with is uh, Dr. Meili Leung. Uh, she was the highest ranking woman at that time in the Hong Kong Sport Commission. And uh, on the day that Hong Kong went back to uh, uh, mainland China, we sat in a hotel room and she got the phone call and she just bawled. And Meili is a tough one. She is a tough one, but that made her cry. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, uh, it's tough sledding over there right now for uh, many of them. Uh, Josefina Bauzon, one of my dear, dear international friends from the Philippines. She again was the highest ranking woman in the Philippine Sports Commission at the time. And uh, she's the one that took me to uh, a women's prison to show me how uh, sport and recreation for women could be done and used as a carrot. Oh, wow. And all that. And so we took baseball or we took uh, softball bats, softballs, uh, volleyballs, all sorts of things. And uh, we gave them a lesson or two, you know, so it was it was marvelous. Um, Wilhelmina Ikulayo from Africa. Uh, this is all through Ishvara SD. And each of these people were responsible for their area of the world. And uh, Ikulayo. Uh, she, boy, she was a pistol. She'd get on a plane over in Nigeria and then she'd come, like for instance, she came to the Philippines. Oh my goodness. Now Josie gets a phone call that says, my goodness, uh, I'm at the airport and they won't let me in. It's because she didn't have a visa, you know, but oh. they got her, they got her there. So then Josie from the government had to go over there and make it, make sure it was okay, you know, and so we've got a million stories like that, but, uh, but Ikulayo, after she finished with us, we have not heard from her since. So mm. I worry about what may have mm. happened because when we started this, Nigeria was a little uh, mm. shaky in terms of its government. So you never know. Uh, Beatrice Fiara uh, from South America. Uh, she and I uh, started with this, but then uh, now uh, we just uh, got through with uh, participating in ICSPI after about 15 years. So uh, it's amazing how if you continue to have not just be colleagues or have a network, but have relationships with people, that's what is really uh, the huge piece. Um, Claudette Jones and uh, Joan Fry, uh, one, one from, uh, let's see, where was Claudette from? Uh, the Caribbean and uh, Joan was from Australia. At any rate, I could go on and on, but uh, these are people who uh, truly have made a difference in my life uh, and women specifically. And there have been many times where 
they have truly helped me and other times where I hope that I have helped them. And it's not transactional as it would be uh, if we were uh, in uh, the Trump era. Uh, uh, none of this was transactional. It was all uh, from a labor of love, just like if I recall correctly, <clears throat> Southern District does its business or did its business uh, in relationship building and helping where help was needed uh, not being concerned with, are you on the inside? Are you on the outside, uh, et cetera. And um, that's, the, that's the great appeal, I think, for young people to recognize and want to be a part of that when you belong, you belong. And uh, that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and say, you've got to have, you've got to have the, the great, you get, you get the award, for the greatest shout outs and the list, because most people don't like this, so this thing, because usually I say, hey, you know, and they, they, they have, they're afraid they're going to leave somebody off. I think you hit, uh, the names that you dropped there were uh, movers and shakers. I mean, I don't know all the names. I'm not going to say that, but you named some people that are incredible, incredible women. And um, again, I also, I, Sandra, let me say this, because I, I have a note here to myself. Uh, as an organization, I truly want to thank Rayford and Kathy Hill and all the executive boards that uh, I had the privilege of knowing and working with, uh, because uh, it's wonderful to, you know, go do that stuff wherever internationally. But if you, you know, if somebody really analyzed my CV, you'll see that for some organizations, I stay a minimum of 10 years. Um, I just got through finished, uh, got finished being vice president of Ixby, and uh, I was in a leadership position somewhere in the organization for 25 years, you know, and so I don't like to stay, overstay my uh, my welcome or my uh, whatever contribution I can make. Uh, I hope I've stepped back at the right times for things, but uh, truly uh, the state of Louisiana, and you know, according to my CV, I've lived in a few places, uh, that uh, Louisiana group, they absolutely, uh, I call that home, you know, more so than what I ever felt in Illinois, which is my home state. You know, Beautiful. Where I was born. So hey. I want to thank oh. them. Absolutely. Uh, Kathy Hill is, by the way, Radio Gold alum, if anybody wants to go <laughs> back and listen to that show. Hey, Darlene, this is the last serious question before we wrap it up with some uh, fun rapid fire questions. We always have kind of a past, present, and future question, but I really want to focus on the present of Title mm -hmm. IX. And that specifically, I'd like to for you to address your comments too. And I'm sure that you were watching uh, this summer, you know, the NCAA softball world series, and there were um, <laughs> things regarding the scheduling, uh, which is just brutal. If you're a team that makes it to the final, uh, the scheduling of those games we watched in the women's final four. And I, I do think the, the final four and the NCAA did a great job with the regional sites, keeping everybody in their bubble and keeping them safe. But we, we saw just tremendous disparity with uh, equipment, food service, uh, all of those things for athletes um, when we were looking at the women's final four versus the men. So specifically related to Title IX today, 
and those most recent events uh, in those championship series. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, what we have to do is we have to uh, remind ourselves on occasion that uh, the NCAA uh, historically was put together uh, to make the playing fields, if you will, uh, fair for men. Right? And uh, I, you know, it's been over a hundred years and you really don't know for sure. You can tell that there's real progress in some areas and lack of progress in other areas. So I would not leave it upon the NCAA to make the right decisions uh, for equity. Uh, but um, we do have at this moment in time, and I'm very proud uh, of the work that she and her organization have done. Uh, Nancy Hogshead Knocker uh, has uh, started a, a group uh, for a couple, maybe a couple years now on champion women. And um, uh, Nancy, if you don't remember or don't know, she was a gold medalist in uh, swimming. Uh, has great respect uh, as an attorney, and uh, she now provides Title IX and other equitable uh, law uh, advice, etc., for things that are going on. So she herself has um, gone to the Hill, Capitol Hill in Washington, and spoken to and uh, worked with Donna DeVarona and Lopiano and whoever else uh, was available up there at the time to uh, go and really put uh, some teeth into the arguments for whatever is going to come legislationally. And that's even one of these things that just got through with the issue of allowing athletes to get endorsements. Uh, that's a whole other thing that I'm not sure I'm excited about at all. Um, but uh, those are the kinds of things, um, especially since uh, the Title IX uh, programs, et cetera, under Trump, there was nobody in them. And if there was somebody, there was no money that followed. So you can't expect people to live on passion alone and, and continue to pursue legislation or um, lawsuits when there's nothing behind it. Um, by the way, Sandra, I have to tell you, uh, one oh gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. Roger, Roger. What was Roger's name? Uh, Roger something. Anyway, he was at UAB. All right, and there uh, there was a lawsuit that went Title IX yes, all yes, the yes, way. Yes, 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 Okay. Yes, I do. I had that guy in class. Yeah. In class, and so he came to Shreveport to uh, do a, a, a presentation, and I was shocked yeah. that uh, you know he is because somebody asked him, well, how did you you know even know about this stuff? And he says, I sat in Kuka's class That's and right. I learned about this. That's right. You know, and I went, whoa. But I think exciting. that that's what's powerful, to be truthful, Darlene, is that that's just what we talk about. When, anytime we talk about Title IX is this piece that there's so many people who don't know history, don't really know that's the connection right. of Title IX. They're taking a different, you know, a lot of universities take, are take, are, have looked at a different level of Title IX, not necessarily in, in relation to sport. They're looking at other things. But I think the biggest thing for us is that Title IX, here we are about right, we're on the cusp of 50 years. 50, you know, yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're, we're ready but we have not 
you know, we still are not there. And I, even though I think that the fight is, is on, and, and it's just like, that's what Charity was saying. It's sad. NCAA, I mean, it was right there. It was blatant in front of sure. everybody's eyes that there's yeah. so many things that are still, equity issues are still abounding. But I love sure. the champion women. I mean, that there are so many people today that are still carrying that torch and that's important. Sorry, buddy, I didn't mean to no, interrupt no. Your, your piece. No, it's it's good. Uh, you know, Darlene, I get tired thank about you. Title IX. Oh, buddy, I know. I know you do. I know you do. Why don't you uh, take it from here, bud? Okay. And you know, again, I've, I said before, we've had to clip some questions because we could talk for a long time. And so we're, 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 as we're running, what you need and, well, we're having, a, as we're running out of time, I, I want to move on to our final personal questions. Cause again, we, we might even have to bring you back to talk about some of these other issues about time. Cause honestly, title nine in itself and, and the, the plight of women's sports, we, we probably need a, a whole show of a, a panelist. That would be a buddy. Why don't you put that on our list? We need that. We need a panelist of, of great thinkers for women's athletics. I think that that would be Okay, I'm just saying, we you, always buddy. look for that bud. Okay, this is supposed to be our, those quick, our, our, our quick, fun, personal questions, just that we can hit, um, yep. hit things. I know that you've brought up some advice about your mom and dad before, but I'm going to ask again, what is the best advice your mom and dad ever gave you, mom or dad? I think you hit, um, hit on that earlier in the podcast. Is there anything else that you wanted? Yeah, uh, I think uh, just uh, if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. Um, Beautiful. Also, if you're going to uh, be passionate about something, know your facts, mm -hmm. because nothing is purely good or purely bad. Uh, and uh, again, travel, 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 and um, educate, 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 learn, learn, learn whether that's formal or informal, but uh, make sure that uh, something is always a learning experience. Love Perfect. that. Love it. All right, uh, Darlene, favorite meal to eat or cook? Anything using a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> buddy, even we can do that. <laughs> that's you, buddy. That's you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Ooh. All right. Favorite musician or even band? Even though I lived in Miami for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, hey, that's some beautiful scenery though. So I, I'm sure yeah, that right, wasn't too right. hard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Favorite musician or band? Josh Groban. All right. And oh, nice. You ready for this one? Uh, in terms of the instrument, nobody will know this one. Marion Florin, uh, he was on Lawrence Well playing the accordion. So we used to, as a family, watch it. And uh, mother says, okay, what kind of instrument do you want to learn to play? It wasn't, it wasn't, do you want to learn? It was, <laughs> which instrument do you want to? And I love the way he did his thing. So I took accordion lessons for 10 years. Wow. Nice. Buddy, I did not know I, I that did, about see, Darlene. This is, this is what, this yeah. is where we start getting into those. We didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Best book you've read lately. All right. There is a marvelous book out that I would recommend all coaches, all sport administrators, all everybody in our field to read. And it's by uh, Lindsay Shoup. She's a gold medalist uh, in rowing for us. And if you watch the Olympics, she's supposed to be doing the color commentary for rowing. Nice. And um, let's see, it's called Better Great Than Never. And oh. uh, it's, it's a personal uh, journey from when she was 
younger and totally uncoordinated all the way up past the Olympic, uh, Olympic Games. And uh, it, she has a beautiful writing style that uh, even high school age students would enjoy. So uh, perfect. Thank uh, you. I, I highly recommend that one. That's my latest one. Thank All you. Right. Darlene, describe for us a perfect weekend for you. <laughs> um, probably, uh, I, would, I would love to be able to invest time at a lake with mountains, one of those little cabins, you know, with the little smoke coming out of the, out of the top. And uh, maybe uh, I would love to try my hand at fly fishing. Oh, come I've on. I've never done it. Oh, yet. it's the greatest thing. I mean, oh, see? This, I love fly fishing. Great. You'll love yeah. it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Perfect. Yeah. That's a great weekend. All right. I can't imagine that I'm asking this question because it just doesn't, it doesn't work because you've wanted to be a teacher since you were six. I heard that yep. earlier on. Yep. If you had to, if you could choose any other profession that would be something different, what would you have done? I think I would like to be um, at Yellowstone or at uh, Tetons being a, uh, uh, a ranger that does the uh, education. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, That's very cool. good. That was a good one. Hey, buddy, I think that uh, Gail C had a similar at second career yes she choice. did yes, she so did. we have two forest rangers and gail c can fly fish so they need to they need to know it. each other they i can't believe it that's it there yeah there all right darlene we are to one of our favorite parts of the show called two truths and a lie this is a game we play in honor of our friend cam kirst and i'm 99 percent certain that you know cam yeah, uh, oh, you, absolutely. If you ever want to know more about Cam, just play this game with her. Uh, so you're going to tell <laughs> us three statements about you. Two of those will be true, and one of them will be a lie. And buddy, you and I are going to have to work out which one is not true about oh, Darlene. Oh my gosh, I don't know. Ah. I don't know. Okay, I can't All wait. All right, Darlene, we're ready. Hit us. Okay. Um, first one was I played bass clarinet in grade school band okay you ready for the second one i'm ready uh i spoke a different language than english first okay and then the third one was um i was born in east st louis illinois hmm. okay now wait a minute okay okay here's how we have to do this so we have to kind of talk this out so yep, give us yep. a chance darlene okay she said her mom made her pick uh, an, an instrument. instrument yeah yeah so I, I i don't know if that's the instrument but right. i'm just going to be honest it could you, have been the trumpet it we could don't have know been anything i think that's right. a trick question yeah i definitely believe she played an instrument the band absolutely but i don't okay so do i believe she did speak a different I, language i could totally okay. see that correct okay and number three she could, was born okay east st louis illinois I, which could I, okay. also be a trick yes because i thought that i heard Okay, wait a minute. Okay, buddy, I'm in no help. I'm going to bow buddy. out of this one. No, no. I've given my first thoughts. But I, I that was not it. helpful. They're no all, offense. Okay, I, I, I had it. those thoughts That's too. That's why I don't do this game. Ginger always does this game. She's not on the call today. So I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm going to pass to you. Do you believe that one, number one, was true? 
I'm thinking it could yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. Base, yeah. I, I I, and I think number two, that. I think number two could be true. Hey, buddy, buddy, can we backtrack to number but one? I'm I, just going to go to three. I'm going to say three is okay. a lot. I, 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 I don't know. That's fine, buddy. You can pick number okay. three. I'm just wondering if an elementary school kid could hold a bass clarinet. Isn't that bigger than regular clarinet? This is a tough woman. She has, look, look, she's an athlete. Okay, okay I know. She I get can it. do it. She's tough. Okay. <sighs> I think one and two might be true. Three might be false. I know. What are you thinking? Go. Elf. I mean, I was go, gonna. Go, go, I was going go. with three. I was going with three okay, in my let's mind. Just, let's go. Let's go with three. Three. Cover, cover the spread. Okay. Three. Okay. Three. Darlene. Three. Yes, you are correct. We never win. We never win. Never win. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, Darlene, where were you born? I was born in Berwyn, Illinois, which which is outside of Chicago. I remember and, uh, that now. Yeah, uh, if you, you know, if uh, you had thought where my parents had met, then you might assume that. But uh, uh, East St. Louis is on the, down by St. Louis, uh, but Illinois is the correct state. So awesome. it was a little tricky. Tiffle. It was, uh, see, people try to trick us all the time. So I, I would say it was hard because all of these, there's a possibility that they couldn't have been, but I just said, ah, we won, and I don't know. We don't even win a gift. There's not a gift that we nope. have, it's but it's no. the, the just oh, a privilege to be with the, you. Is oh, what? <laughs> wow, well, Darlene, thank you for this time. It has been so great to learn more about you and and to see you, even though it's uh, virtual and we're on Zoom. But it's great to see you, and you look fabulous. And uh, listen, we're at the end of another exciting episode of Scaling the Summit Radio Gold, and I just want to remind our listeners that we can't wait to see all of you in person. And Darlene, I hope that will include you in Birmingham, Alabama, February 13th through 15, 2022 at the Health and Physical Literacy Summit. Registration information is now available at nahpl.org. We hope you will visit the National Academy of Health and Physical Literacy website for more information. And while you're there, join the Academy and think about joining as a charter member. So. We hope everybody has a great week and we will see you next time.